Hallelujah. Let's worship Him tonight. Let's really worship Him tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Specializes in saving people from their sins. I'll tell you something, young people. Only fools go to hell. I said, only fools go to hell. You think of how enormous God's mercy and God's grace is. How much He loves us and cares for us. You think of how great His forgiveness is. How powerful His blood is. devil's only hope in getting you is to talk you into quitting. Because he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. If you've got a desire to be saved, you want to be saved, God's going to see to it. to the high priest for his sin. Hallelujah. The man that brought the sacrifice was never scrutinized. The lamb was scrutinized. If the lamb was perfect, then the man was forgiven. If the lamb was not perfect, then it could not be offered. It wasn't how good the man was, it was how good the lamb was. How many believes we've got a lamb that's good? How many is thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm reading tonight from the book of Luke, chapter 15, a familiar passage of Scripture. Chapter 15 of Luke is known as the lost chapter, the chapter of lost things. It talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost prodigal son. Hallelujah. Luke, chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, and he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and 
and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And what a tremendous, tremendous story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. So thankful for this group of young people that are here tonight. My privilege and honor to preach to them tonight. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Let something be said in this building that will be eternal, God. Let there be changes tonight that will live on throughout lifetimes. We believe in you tonight. In Jesus' name, we love you and we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. And you can be seated tonight. I want to talk to you tonight from this subject. There's more left than lost. There is more left than lost. Hallelujah. It's a horrifying thing to witness the ravaging effects of sin. When sin has run its course in an individual's life, Bible says that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It must have been a horrifying thing to look into the young face of a prodigal son that had been so scarred by sin. To see a body that was probably ravaged by disease, a once innocent conscience that was blighted. Uh, to think of the haunting memories that this young man brought home with him of his sojourn in sin. I don't believe that this young man ever intended for things to happen the way they happened. I believe that uh, it was in his mind to take a, a short journey and to get back without any lasting effect taking place in his life. But it must have been a touching scene to look at this prodigal son uh, as he staggers home. Empty pockets, penniless, uh, ragtag clothes, skinny, hungry, uh, a young man, friendless and lonely, uh, to see the emptiness and the fear in his eyes. Hallelujah. Wondering if he would be accepted back in his home or not. I want to tell young people in this building that sin is expensive. We need to always remember the high price for low living. There's a price tag attached with every sin that is committed. Sin is so expensive that when it is committed, I am convinced to believe that everyone pays. I believe that the whole universe is affected by one sin. Hallelujah. When a person sins, it, it affects the human race. When a man or a woman sins, it affects even more those that they are closest to. Hallelujah. A lot of people have the attitude, well, you know, let me do what I want to do and let me live the way I want to live. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting no one but myself. Well, that's kind of a stupid statement to make. Hallelujah. If that was the only reason, hallelujah, for not sinning, then you ought to have enough sense not to sin. Hallelujah. Anything that's hurting yourself. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we commit sin, it does not just affect us. But it affects those that love us the most. Hallelujah. When a young person decides to dishonor themselves and commit sin, they hurt their parents. They hurt a daddy. They hurt their mother. Uh, they hurt their family name. They hurt those that are closest to them. But the truth of the matter is that the sinner himself ultimately pays the greatest price for his sin. Sin tears and steals and destroys. Sin undermines. It, low, it lowers your self-respect. Sin has a way of humiliating. Sin has a way of, of banishing hopes. 
It's hard to believe that in the eyes of a young teenager, hope can die as a result of sin. Do you want to say this? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. A lot of times when we read that scripture, we think of the future. We think of the judgment. And sure enough, the wages of sin is death and there's going to be an eternal death for the man or the woman that traffics in sin. But I want to tell you, it didn't say the wages of sin is going to be death. It said the wages of sin is death. It's talking about something present. It's talking about something that happens when the sin is committed. Hallelujah. I've seen the light go out in a young couple's eyes because immoral sin had entered into a relationship. I've seen teenagers and people in their early 20s seem to lose hope. I've seen people commit uh, such terrible mistakes that uh, early in life, that for the rest of their life, it seemed like that you could not look at their face without remembering the tragic decision that they made somewhere in their life. Sin has a lasting effect in our life to some degree. It is destroying, it tears, and it humiliates, and it banishes hope. It leads the sinner down a road of self-destruction. Hallelujah. When a person lives in sin, they lose faith in themselves. Hallelujah. We've got a young group of people here tonight. And some of you think that you're grown, but I want to tell you something. You're still very young. And if the Lord tarries and is good to you, you've got a life ahead of you. Hallelujah. You're just beginning in life. It's amazing that so early in life, sin can have such an effect on a teenager that a teenager can lose faith in himself. Hallelujah. Sin can cause you to feel like giving up. Sin can cause you to take the attitude, well, what's the use? I've messed myself up. I've messed my reputation up. Hallelujah. We have a way of early in life falling into some type of a, a, a category and the devil tries to make us believe what we are now will have to be the rest of our life. I've had teenagers in my church that fell into sin or made a mistake and, and one of the greatest battles that I fought with them was trying to convince them You've made a mistake and sin has had a devastating effect upon your life. But you need to realize that this doesn't have to be the last chapter of your life. you got to realize that if Calvary gives us anything, it gives us an opportunity for a new beginning. It's in a youth camp like this tonight that someone can make the turnaround in your life. Someone can stand up and look the devil in the face and say, I refuse to stay where I'm at. I refuse to allow my past mistakes to dictate my future and destroy every bit of faith and confidence that I have in my life. Hallelujah. The prodigal son, hallelujah, had left so much at home when he walked out. This young man, the devil, had sold him a bill of goods. And he walks out on a daddy. He walks out on a loving family. He walks away from the great blessings that he failed to recognize was there, resident in that home. The favor of God. The blessing of God that was there. This young man, no doubt, felt like that the world had more to offer. And the devil had more to offer than the father's house. Young people, early in life, you need to get a revelation that it pays to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. You're blessed tonight to be in an old-fashioned apostolic youth camp. Hallelujah. You're blessed in a world that is so darkened by sin. Hallelujah. To have a pastor that loves you and, and to have a church family that's pulling for you, that, that is concerned for you. Hallelujah. There's teenagers that are running the streets tonight. They don't have anybody to pray for them. They don't have anybody to encourage them to live for God. But for the simple fact that you're here tonight, 
I can tell you there's a preacher preaching to you tonight that I care about what you do in this service tonight. And there's a group of Holy Ghost filled adults that's in this place that has given a week of their life to try to make the atmosphere conducive to where you can shake the devil off your back. Hallelujah. You can get everything out of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can make up in your mind, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to give God my best. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This prodigal son, hallelujah, took the cash register and he rang up, hallelujah, and tallied up what his father had to offer and what the world had to offer. And he was deceived into thinking that the devil had more to offer than what God had to offer. Hallelujah. He walks out and he goes into a far country. Here's a young man that wastes his substance. He wasted his inheritance. Hallelujah. Not only did he lose his substance in this far country, he also lost his influence. His reputation was gone. And the influence, no doubt, he had with those around him. He lost all credibility. Another thing that this young man lost was his innocence. Hallelujah. I will say this, that when he did come home, hallelujah, there were some things that that young man lost that was never regained again. Hallelujah. There was memories of things he experienced in the world of sin that no doubt for the rest of his life, hallelujah, stepping in a crowd, looking around, hallelujah, watching what people was doing, he recognized behaviors and things going on, hallelujah, that, that he would not have recognized if he had not become knowledgeable to sin. I want to tell you it's a blessed thing to be raised in a Pentecostal home, in a Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. I have found myself at times with men that are a part of the world. And hallelujah, maybe step into a 7-Eleven store, see somebody standing on the street and somebody there tell me, uh, a man there with me say, you know, they're dealing drugs over there. Look at that, there's something going on. Well, I didn't recognize what was going on because I'm not knowledgeable of all that. Hallelujah, I don't ever go in a 7-Eleven store and look at a cigarette and think anything about it. Hallelujah, look at a beer can and think anything about drinking it. Thank God that young people can be raised in a Pentecostal home. Hallelujah, this young man, he walked out and he went into the world and there were some things that he lost that he never regained again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It wasn't but just about a month ago on an early Sunday morning that I began to read this story of the prodigal son. Hallelujah. And for the first time in my life, I really saw some things that I had never seen before that I want to bring to your attention. There's no way that you can read this story of the prodigal son and not be moved and quickly recognize the ravagings of sin. It seems to be so evident the things that this man lost when you see this uh, ragtag individual returning home, uh, scarred by sin, injured by the devil, uh, hungry, lost so much weight, uh, dirty and filthy. Hallelujah. Fear, uh, fear feeling, filling his eyes. Uh, hallelujah. The first thing that you seem to, to realize uh, is the devastating effect that sin has had upon him and the tremendous losses that has taken place in his life. But yet with all that he lost in this far country, hallelujah, everything that he lost, I want to tell you, friend, there were still some things available for this young man. I'm sure when he left home and started on his journey into sin, at first he thought that he was gaining everything that he had ever wanted. The excitement of the party, the fresh taste of, of sin, hallelujah, upon his lips. But young person, it did not take long for this young man to wake up and realize, hallelujah, that things had, had been lost in his life. And no doubt when he wakes up in the hog pen and his friends are gone and his money is gone and he's lonely and he's empty and he would have fame filled his belly with a husk that the hogs did eat. This young man began to think and feel like he had lost everything that was worth anything. 
I'm preaching to somebody here tonight that because of a, maybe a mistake, maybe something that other people have found out that you've done, uh, the devil wants to devalue you. Uh, he wants to make you feel like that uh, I've ruined my life and uh, I can't be any different than what I am. And uh, I've lost the most precious things and uh, I've lost things that I can never regain again. Uh, and I will drive home again tonight uh, that there are some things in sin uh, that you can't lose. Uh, that you can never, never, never regain again. But I also want to let you know that while the devil will make you believe that everything of value has been lost, I don't have anything worth living for. Oh yes, we're living in a world where young people commit suicide as teenagers. Oh yeah, they come to a place they feel like I don't have anything worth living for. I want to tell you, I'm going to prove it to you tonight. There is more that is left than is lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've come tonight to give somebody hope. I've come tonight to tell somebody that it's not all over with for you. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you that the price tag, or, or the name tag rather, that the devil has tried to hang on you. You can refuse it tonight. You can reject it tonight. Hallelujah. This is a place of new beginnings. This is a place where, where life can be restored. I read, I read that, that scripture a while ago. The wages of sin is death. Hallelujah. And it's present. But I'm going to tell you there's another scripture. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Hallelujah. Some people got a limited understanding about that. They think the resurrection is somewhere in the future somewhere. It's relegated to a day in the future. That's what Martha thought when Jesus came and said, Lead me to the tomb where Lazarus is at. She said, He's been dead. And she argued and, and, and said, I know in the great resurrection He will come forth again when Jesus said, I am the resurrection. But Jesus gave her a little revelation about it all. The resurrection is more than just a day. Hallelujah. The resurrection is a person. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I'm preaching to some young person here today that sin has brought death. Death to hope. Death to influence. Hallelujah. Death to credibility. But I'm here to also tell you that Jesus said, I am the resurrection. He can resurrect hope tonight. He can resurrect influence tonight. He can resurrect a reputation tonight. Hallelujah. You can make a turnaround tonight. I want to tell you something, young person. People can make all kinds of accusations against the church. But friend, the church is the only place on earth where people can truly get past their past. Hallelujah, the church is the only place in the world uh, where it doesn't matter where you've come from uh, and what you've done in the past, uh, God can resurrect. Hallelujah, your, 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 your reputation, your influence, your faith, your hope. Hallelujah, if you've been living in immorality, if you've been committing fornication, you don't have to be a fornicator the rest of your life. You don't have to be a liar the rest of your life. You don't have to be somebody that prays through and backslides and prays through and backslides and prays through and backslides. Hallelujah, in this service tonight, there can be a turnaround in your life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And he's not just talking about a day. He's talking about a person. This young man had lost much. He had lost his wealth. That was the least of his losses. He had lost his influence. He had lost his innocence. Possibly he had lost his health. I want to tell you the most valuable things of life this young man still possessed. It was very important for him to recognize there was more left than lost. If he got too wrapped up with what had been lost, his heart would have been so heavy he would have never come home. But he had to get a revelation. Hey, I've left some things at home that still left. I've walked out on some things that are still waiting on me. If you're not in the church tonight and you have been in the church, I'm here to tell you the things you left are still left. 
the things you walked out on are still in this building tonight. You still have a future because He is the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that was and is and is the comma, the Almighty. The devil would like to make you think it's over, but I want to tell you it ain't over till it's over. It ain't over till God says it's over. One thing this young man left was mercy. He worked, he walked out on mercy. Nobody drove him away from his home. Nobody told this young man, you got to leave home. Hallelujah. It was a decision that he made himself. He became deceived into thinking that he could find a good time in riotous living, cavorting with harlots and hoodlums. Hallelujah. He found nothing but misery and slavery when he got in the world. And he woke up one day and he was destitute of friends, uh, destitute of food, uh, and no man gave unto him. I don't believe this young man ever intended uh, on going as far as he went, uh, staying as long as he stayed, uh, and paying the high price that he paid. Uh, but that's the nature of sin. Sin has a way of in, in enslaving. Sin has a way of becoming addictive. Sin has a way of tying chains around you. It's a lot easier to get involved in sin than it is to get out of the sinning business. Hallelujah. But thanks be unto God that in the darkness of His situation, in the hopelessness of His situation, in a hog pen, He looked up and He remembered, Hallelujah, mercy is what I walked out on. Hallelujah, mercy is what I left, and mercy is still left. Hallelujah, there's a Father that cares about me. There's a Father that's merciful. He didn't drive me away from home. No doubt He still loves me. I will arise, and I will go to my Father's house. Hallelujah, oh, the value of mercy tonight, young person. Listen to me. The value of mercy. We like to sometimes put a high price tag on reputation. Hallelujah, on influence. Hallelujah, even on innocence. And we ought to put a price tag on it. But I'm here to tell you tonight, something more valuable than even innocence is mercy. Because it don't matter how innocent you think you are. You're not going to be saved by your own righteousness. Your righteousness is as filthy rags in His presence. If you're saved, it's going to be because of the mercy and the grace of God Almighty. You think mercy's left you? Uh, mercy hasn't left you. You left mercy. And mercy's still left. Hallelujah. You can't tell me that mercy's not left. One time Jesus asked, was asked by Peter, How often should I forgive my brother in a day if he sinned against me? Seven times he asked Jesus a question, and before Jesus got a chance to answer it, Peter thought he needed a little help. And Peter probably thought, I'm really being very liberal when I say forgiving a person seven times in one day. Jesus blew his mind when he said, not seven times in a day, but 70 times seven shall you forgive your brother if he sins against you. Now that's in my Bible, and that's in your Bible. Hallelujah, if you know how to work uh, multiplication, that's 490 times in one day. To forgive the same jerk that's sinning against you. Hallelujah. Now you can't forgive anybody if you're asleep. You got to be awake. If you sleep eight hours a day, that leaves you awake 16 hours a day. And if you do a little dividing there, you find out that 490 times in 16 hours equals about once every two minutes. Hallelujah, that you're forgiving this guy. Hallelujah. Now, how much work can you get done in two minutes? In two minutes, he's got to sin against you. He's got to ask you to forgive him. And then you've got to turn around and forgive him. Hallelujah. Once every two minutes, that's got to happen. You know what that tells me? That tells me forgiveness is a full-time job. 
I want to just stop and sidetrack a little bit and tell young people here, you need to learn to forgive young people around you. Don't run your mouth and ridicule and talk bad about somebody that's in the church that's trying to be saved just like you're trying to be saved. I don't know anybody perfect here tonight. I don't anybody, I don't know anybody here that's never made a mistake. Now the Bible says that Jesus remembers that we are but dust. And so if Jesus remembers that all we are is just mortals, and He requires that the Apostle Peter and the followers of the Lord to forgive 490 times, an average of once every two minutes, if He requires us, remembering we're dust, to do that, surely I can turn around on God if I ever need it. I'll probably come close to it sometimes in my life. Hallelujah. If I ever need 490 times in one day, I can turn it back around and say, Now, Lord, if you require that of me as a human being, surely I can have faith that mercy has not left me. That mercy is still available to me. It's the devil that tries to make you think that God don't love you, that God won't forgive you, that God doesn't have compassion for you. Oh, hallelujah. I want to say it again. Only fools go to hell. I said, only fools go to hell. With that kind of forgiveness available to us, only fools go to hell. Left mercy at home. Mercy was still left. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, mercy was more valuable than anything this boy lost in the hog pen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to care about our reputation. And we ought to start to live holy and clean. And we need self-respect. Oh, yes, we do. You need to live the kind of life that you can look yourself in the mirror. Hallelujah. And respect yourself. That is important. But I'm going to tell you that's not the most important thing about living for God and being saved. You better hear me tonight. Sometimes when we've been delivered for sin a little while, we get to thinking we're the ones doing it instead of God doing it. And we become self-righteous, and we're probably closer to hell at that time than when we was in the altar repenting of our sins. We get an old filthy self-righteous spirit. We're not forgiving of anybody around us. We want to gossip and tell about everybody's fault and pick out everybody's failures. And all we can see is the human side of the church. And we don't recognize the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, young ladies. Hallelujah. Don't be going around the church all the time among yourselves talking about this one and talking about that one. One of these days, you're going to need mercy. You better extend mercy. Hallelujah. Mercy was left. Mercy was still left. There was an old gray-headed daddy that was still looking down a dusty road. Hallelujah, that that boy had left home. Every day, I'm convinced to believe that he waited for that boy to come home. Mercy was still reaching. Mercy was still calling. I believe that boy, hallelujah, nights of drunkenness, there was an old voice of conviction that would talk to him and say, you ought to be living better than what you're living. You know as well as I do, young person, one of the hardest things you can do is go to hell. It's all uphill to hell for you. God doesn't just sit back and fold his hands and let people die and go to hell. I have found that at my worst worst times, God has been at his best. I've seen times in my life that I lost confidence in myself, but God never lost confidence in me. It's always there saying, come on, repent. Come on, get right. Come on, I love you. Come on. Can I get a witness tonight? Is that the way God deals with you when you know you're wrong, when you know you're in rebellion, instead of God wiping you off the map? calls you, He woos you in the night, He speaks to you. You left mercy, but mercy didn't leave you. Mercy is still left. I want to tell you something else that this young man still had available to him. And that was reason. He had left reason. I'm going to tell you, you can't be a backslider without being unreasonable. There's an insanity that goes along with sin. Sin took a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar and reduced him to nothing more than a beast 
that lived out in the field and the dew of heaven fell upon his back and his fingers grew out like eagle's claws and his hair grew out like eagle's feathers. He lost his mind. This regal king that had been the mastermind architect behind the building of Babylon. Hallelujah. One of the greatest kings that had ever lived. In fact, according to God's estimation, he was the golden head of the image that Daniel dreamed about. But I want to tell you, friends, sin can turn your gold into nothing more than just rubble. Hallelujah. Sin can reduce you down to the level of a beast. Hallelujah. It's a fearful thing to look at the lifestyles that backsliders end up living. Don't ever sit on a Pentecostal pew and say, I'd never do this, or I'd never do that, or I'd never become this. You never know what will happen to you when you walk out of a red-hot apostolic church and you backslide. Number one, to do that, you've got to become unreasonable. to become unreasonable to be a backslider. Hallelujah. But thank God, hallelujah, he came to himself. Hallelujah. I said he came to himself. All of a sudden he flipped the lights back on in his life and he got honest with himself. He quit lying to himself. He quit trying to justify himself. Young people, one of the strongest tendencies in young people's lives is when they're caught in the wrong. They start trying to justify themselves. It started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with the first sin. Hallelujah. When God came, He was looking for repentance, but He didn't find repentance. He found Adam pointing a finger at Eve and Eve pointing a finger at the serpent and everybody blaming somebody else. If you come out of the hog pen, you've got to come to realize I'm here because of my choice. I've been unreasonable. I've made a fool out of myself. And I will arise and go to my father's house. Thank God he had enough sense left to start reasoning and saying, Hey, wait just a minute. There's servants in my father's house that have plenty to eat and to spare. And here I am, the son of a rich man in a hog pen. He didn't have to be very smart. To make a choice between husk and heaven. Hallelujah. How smart do you have to be? Hallelujah. To choose between the hog pen and the king's palace. Hallelujah. Wake up and smell the coffee, young person. Look at what the devil is doing to people in our world. Look at the, the teenagers. Hallelujah. As they parade down the halls of our malls, their bodies tattooed and, and their ears and their nose pierced and their eyes all blackened. And, and then they, they, some of them, they, they look like some walking corpse walking around. Hallelujah. Wearing some of the craziest things you've ever seen in your life. Oh, they say, well, we're doing what we want to do. They're not doing what they want to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Paris tells them to put it on and pull it off, and they wear whatever, hallelujah, anybody tells them to wear. Some rock star, some crazy pervert tells them to do something, and that's exactly what they do. It becomes the norm of the day. But you ought to thank God there's reasonableness in the house of God today. There's still light shining here in a world of confusion and darkness. You can reason. Red-blooded American boys, you want to join a world like that? Sit in front of a television and be bombarded, hallelujah, with accepting homosexuality, perversion. I'm going to tell you something else, girls. There's a tidal wave of lesbianism that is sweeping America today. get graphic, but I want to tell you just a few weeks ago, we got a phone call, my wife and myself, and I, I, I let her take the call, but I turned the conference phone on and listened to a young lady about 14 years old. I, I will not get graphic. It was so graphic, it blew my mind of, of, of lesbianism that has swept through a school right there in our area of Atlanta, Georgia. Things taking place in showers and girls clapping their hands and applauding other girls for sinful, perverted actions. And she said, this is what the boys in our school want. They get excited over a girl that is bisexual. 
Now some of you may think, well, that's just too plain. I'm going to tell you adults something. These kids face it every day. The devil has got brazen. He's come out of his closet. And they know more than what you think they know. But I just happen to believe there's a bunch of Pentecostal girls here tonight. You don't want to identify with a world like that. And there's some boys here tonight. You don't want to identify with a world like that. You still got a reasonable mind. How valuable is a reasonable mind? Hallelujah. It's more valuable than your reputation. And don't think I'm trying to devalue any of these things. I'm just trying to tell you there's more left than lost. Hallelujah. You can just be a pretty good fellow, but if you don't have a reasonable mind, you're going to go to hell. If you get to the place you don't understand, I need a Savior. I need God. I still need the Holy Ghost. I'm hungry for everything God can do for me. Huh? This boy reasoned with himself. Let me tell you something else that he left. That was still left. He left home. Home was still where it always been. You don't want the church to compromise with you, young person. I know some of you. You sometimes you you want to push the envelope. You want to gripe about the pastor and his standards. You want to gripe about the church. Oh, I've heard reports of people making statements, even backsliders making statements about our church, and they try to make us a bunch of bigots and a bunch of hateful people. And oh, you just don't love anybody, and you're just so hard on everybody, and it just don't take that. I want to tell you something, friend. If you got any reason in your mind left, you don't want home to change. Home needs to stay right where it's at. This is not a time for Pentecostal preachers to compromise and try to accommodate the backsliders. You young people are too young to remember what happened in the 60s. But I want to tell you what happened in the 60s. The 60s was a decade of rebellion. Hallelujah, long-haired men and short-haired women. Hallelujah, America lost her identity. A bunch of rebel hippies that fought against the establishment. But the sad thing is, is in the midst of all of that, there was a, some, a lot of so-called churches that instead of staying on course and staying where they were, they tried to accommodate the hippie generation. The Trinitarian Pentecostal movements of our world said we're going to win them by being like them. I can still remember seeing the pictures of youth pastors that they started hiring for their churches. The pastor still have a short haircut. He'd look normal. And here would be a, a youth pastor standing there looking like some kind of beatnik hippie with long hair and a beard or a mustache. We're going to try to win them by being like them. They didn't win them. The hippies won the church or the so-called church. And they have never been the same. I want to tell you something. Home needs to stay home. Thank God for a father that said, I'm not going to go in the world and identify with my boy and compromise and justify what he's doing and dare anybody to say anything about it. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to keep the lights on. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to look down the road. And if I see him coming this way, I'll run and get him. But I'm not going to compromise with him. The only hope that my boy has is me keeping the lights on. I've got to keep home, home. Oh, we need to keep a fire burning in these Pentecostal altars. There's too many devils that's crawling across the floors today for us not to keep a fire on the altar. Our young people are fighting things that no other generation has ever fought. We've got to keep revival moving in the church. The church has got to remain the church. Let me just stop and say this, young people. Don't, don't run with backsliders out of your church. Don't get in the car with them and let them turn the music on and you're trying to be polite and nice and sweet and I want to win them. Hallelujah. They don't respect you. 
and you think you're going to win them, you're not going to win them. They're going to win you. That's the reason the Bible says, have no fellowship with them. Don't even eat with them. I'm going to tell you something. That sounds hard, but that's not hard. That's love. That's tough love. Home was still there. Home was left. Hallelujah. They left the church because they wanted a television. And they get back to the Pentecostal church and the church is full of television. They left because of jewelry. And now, uh, hallelujah, they get back to the church and jewelry is in the house. Hallelujah, they left the church for immorality. And now the pews are full of fornication. The only hope for the backslider. we got to keep home right where it's at. We're not going to compromise with you. We're not going to make you feel comfortable in your backslid condition. Hallelujah. But the invitation is still the same. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The door is still open. Salvation is still available. hardest church in town against sin. We are the hardest church against town, against sin in this town. And a lot of people, they want to make us religious bigots and full of hate. They got it all backwards. We're the hardest church in town on sin. But I want to tell you something else. We're also the most forgiving church. We take people the world don't want. We take people that the nominal church don't want. We take the alcoholics. We take the drug addicts. We take street people. I'm going to add something else to the list. We take homosexuals. We hate the sin of homosexuality. But if this Bible's right, God can deliver people from anything if they'll repent. Oh yes! Oh yes! Oh, yes! Hallelujah. Mercy was still left. I said mercy was still left. There was still a father waiting for a boy to come home. Reason was still left. He had a mind that he could reason with. Thank God for a sound mind. Young people, there's dangerous drugs out there. One time, one experience, and you can be hooked. Home was still left. He had left home, but it was still left. It was still there. And lastly, he still had willpower left. He had the power of choice left. Hallelujah. Mercy was still left. I said mercy was still left. There was still a father waiting for a boy to come home. Reason was still left. He had a mind that he could reason with. Thank God for a sound mind. Young people, there's dangerous drugs out there. One time, one experience, and you can be hooked. Home was still left. He had left home, but it was still left. It was still there. And lastly, he still had willpower. He had the power of choice left. The ball was still in his court. It was still his decision. It was still by choice that he was either going to stay where he was at or he was going to go home. It was by choice that he left the Father's house. It was going to be by choice if he came back. I want to tell you, nobody can kick you out of the church and nobody can bring you back in the church. Hallelujah. If you leave the church, you leave the church by choice. 
And if you come back in, you come back in by choice. Now, I'm going to tell you, friend, you can fool around in the world until sin gets such a hold on you. You lose your reason. You lose your, your desire. Hallelujah, you become so addicted to, hallelujah, you can't see straight anymore. And you can actually lose your will to make a change in your life. There's pastors in this building tonight that they have dealt with people like that, that somewhere they had crossed over a line, they had lost all will to repent, and that's what a reprobate is. Hallelujah. A lot of people think they're a reprobate and they're not a reprobate. Or they've sinned against the Holy Ghost and can't get forgiveness, but they can get forgiveness. If you've got willpower, if you really want to be saved, if there's still a desire in your heart to do right, you have not sinned against the Holy Ghost. When you become a reprobate, you'll have no desire for that that's right. You'll have no reasonableness in you. There'll be no call from mercy. He had willpower left. The ball was in his court. Thank God he still had the power of choice. To look at him, you might not think he had any power of choice left. To look at him wallowed in a hog pen covered with mud and filth, desiring to eat that but the hogs were eating, you might say, this boy's gone too far. He'll never come out of the situation that he's in. But don't ever underestimate the willpower of a man that gets sick of sin and wants to make a change in his life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Here's a young man that came to realize it's now or never. It's time for me to put everything on the table. It's time to go for broke. I'm fixing to say goodbye to the hog pen. I'm fixing to give the pigs a permanent wave. Hallelujah, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back again. I'm getting out of the sinning business. It's going to be a clean cut in my life. I'm not going to make excuses for what I've done, where I've gone, and what I've become. Hallelujah, I don't have anything to offer the Father but broken dreams and emptiness and hunger and a bunch of ragged clothes. Hallelujah, I want to tell you the problem with some people. They're still trying to offer God something. They still want to come to an altar and they want to think about, well, you know, I'm sorry, but... I have sinned, but, you know, I'm still a pretty good fellow. You know, I still do a lot of good things. God's not interested in you bringing anything to the altar but repentance. He had the power of decision. The power of choice. Now, you may get to where you think, well, I just don't have that Oh, yeah, you had it. You had it. If a legion living among the tombs that had about 4,000 devils in him that was running around naked that had become a madman, hallelujah, could run to Jesus and say, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. I don't see anybody here tonight that even comes close to being like that legion that lived among the tombs. Don't tell me you can't get up from where you're at and say, I'm tired of doing what I've done. I'm going to tell you, there's some young people in this building that's been fornicating. You don't have to fornicate anymore. And you don't have to let people hang that, that name tag on you. It may not happen overnight, but Jesus can restore your reputation. He can restore your influence. People say, well, God won't ever use me. I'm going to tell you, God will use you. I said, God, I'm unworthy. Everybody's unworthy. And again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to devalue reputation and influence. I'm not trying to minimize terrible sins. But I am telling you that God is still the Savior. You're not the Savior. You're not going to go to heaven because you're good. You're going to go to heaven because He's good. And because you made a decision, I'm not going to live the way I'm living. I'm not going to stay in this hog pen. I will arise. It's time for some young people to stand on your feet and look the devil in the face and say, I'm not going to stay where I've been living. 
I'm not going to allow people to hang a name tag on me that I'm not. Don't tell me if you've got a praying pastor and a praying mama and a daddy and a church that's reaching for you and you've been raised around the church. Hallelujah. That you want to be what you are if you're outside right now. That's not the real you. I want to tell you, people start committing sin and they get to say, well, this is just me. This is just me. I just got to be me. That's not you. God's got a better plan for you than that. God's got a better plan for you than the hog pen. He's got better things for you to eat than, than husk. I will arise. I will arise. The ball's in my court. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I refuse these chains. I'm telling you, I'm stirred up about this tonight. I'm stirred up about the devil lying to young people. I'm on, I want you to listen to me. There's some older people here tonight. It blows our mind to see a teenager, 13, 14, 15 years old, that they act like they've lost all hope in life. My God, you just don't understand what life's all about. If you're here at this youth camp and you say, well, you know, there just ain't no sense in me going on. It's just all over with. Hogwash. It's not all over with. I said it's not all over with. The die is not set in your life. You have not lost so much that you've got to continue doing what you're doing. I'm going to tell you something. Every Pentecostal young lady in this building ought to be able to go to the altar of matrimony, a virgin. And the same thing goes for the boys. But I want you to listen to me. The fact of the matter is, is it's not going to happen. And the fact of the matter is, it's too late for some young people. And the fact of the matter is, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just be playing with you. I'm looking at a bunch of young people that's eat up with emotions. Yeah, you're at a tough time in your life. And the bombardment of the world, everywhere you look, it's sex. Everywhere you look, the devil's painting the picture. You can't even drive down the highways, the billboards, the advertisements. Should we strive to stay clean? You better stay clean. You better stay clean. But I want to tell you this. If you haven't stayed clean, you don't have to remain dirty. You don't have to keep fornicating. The devil will tell you there's no use. You've already messed up. Just go ahead. You've lost everything that matters. That is a lie. I said that's a lie. This church is not built on a bunch of people that's got a long backlog of being good and being sweet. It's built on the blood. It's built on forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, if God will forgive, we ought to forgive. I said, if God will forgive, we ought to forgive. And listen to me, son. Listen to me, young person. Don't catch yourself with your standard higher than God's standard. If you ask God to forgive you, and He says, I forgive you, and then you keep blaming yourself, or you see, say, I just don't believe God's forgiven me, I want to tell you, your standard is higher than Calvary's standard. There's more left than lost. There's more left than lost. Don't let your past destroy your future. Shake it off. I refuse to stay here. I'm not going to let people to hold me down. I got a bad reputation. Change your reputation. There's a price tag that has to be paid. You don't do it overnight. But I want to tell you, when the Holy Ghost really gets a hold of a person, everybody eventually knows it. God can restore your influence in your youth group, in your church. Your pastor can believe in you again. If we don't believe this, we need to shut the doors of this church and forget about it. I'm going to tell you, God is a God of the second chance. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Hallelujah. He had went away from God, but God said, listen, Jonah, I'm going to give you another chance. He's a God of the second chance, and the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance. Let me warn you. 
I'm not talking about getting presumptuous in your sins and saying, I'll do anything I want to do and live any way I want to live and I can just say, forgive me. The fact of the matter is, God will forgive you 490 times in one day, but you've got to be willing to repent. And if you'll repent, He'll forgive you. If you're honest, He'll forgive you. If you want to get out of the mess you're in, you get out of the mess you're in. I'm going to tell you, this message is going to save somebody if you'll listen to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil is, is, he, the devil is, a, he is, he is a professional at trying to hang a tag on us. Hallelujah. Goliath looked at David when he came out there and said, What in the world are you sending out here? This, 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 this punk. What, what in the world? He coming out here with a, with a slingshot and a rock trying to devalue him, trying to put a tag on him. What are you doing sending a boy out here? David didn't get pulled out of position. He didn't start trying to flaunt himself. He knew who was behind him. He said, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You're God's children. Hallelujah. Does God get angry when we sin? God gets angry when we sin. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. Oh, well, that must mean He hates me. Now, that's where you're wrong. He's angry with your sin, but He don't hate you. I get angry when my boys do wrong, but I don't hate them. In fact, my anger is one of the greatest signs of my love for them. If I didn't love them, I could care less what they're doing. You better believe God gets angry when people fornicate. Hallelujah. When people's living in sin, God gets angry. I've had mothers, I've heard mothers tell their children, don't do that. If you do that, Jesus won't love you. Don't ever say that. It don't matter what you do, Jesus loves you. I love my boys. I don't care what they become. I still love them. Don't you tell me that God's love is not as great as my love. And it's not His will that any perish. But that all come to repentance. He don't want any young person here to go to hell. He don't want you to keep on doing what you're doing. He's not interested in stamping hell across your shoulders. He wants to save you. What are you going to do with it? The ball's in your court. What are you going to do, young lady? Young man, you know something? Kids, sometimes teenagers can, can get a reckless attitude about them. They want to be the dirtiest, the wildest, the most reckless. Reckless with precious that once lost is never regained. You need to wake up and say, you know what, I've been playing the part of a fool. I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to go home to my home church and my pastor's going to realize something's changed in me. Don't tell me you can't do it. If a prodigal son can go from the hog pen to the father's house, you can too. If a legion can leave a graveyard and fall at the feet of the Master, you can too. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, hell is raging tonight. But I want to tell you something. There's something more powerful than hell. On that sandy beach that day, Jesus Christ met the devil head on. Hallelujah. Heaven met hell head on. And all I can say tonight is look out hell. Here comes heaven. Hallelujah. God's in this building tonight to deliver to set free, to give somebody a new beginning. Hallelujah! I want to tell you, Moses, you know something? Listen to me. Let me tell you about some of the people God used. Some of us, we got out of sin, and we've been out of sin for several years, and we get, we get so self-righteous. We think we deserve what we are. I want to tell you what Moses did. Moses killed a man. He was a murderer. He was running from the law. He was a fugitive. That's what he was. For 40 years. Didn't even pay his income tax. Nobody knew where he was at. Hiding. And then all of a sudden he sees a burning bush. Hallelujah. And God starts speaking to him. 
I want you to go back to Egypt and lead my people out. What's the first thing that Moses said? Who am I to do this? They're not going to believe me. Who am I to tell them has sent me? Moses, you just tell them that I am has sent thee. I am the resurrection. <laughs> I am the reviver of influence. Nobody's going to listen to me. I'm a murderer. I've lost my reputation. Let me tell you something, boy. You just tell them that I am sent you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. I am the resurrection. That I am of the Old Testament was the I am of the New Testament that said I am the resurrection. Martha, don't limit your understanding of the power of all this to just one day in the future somewhere. Some people think, well, you know, I can't ever do anything but God is all over with me. You know? I just hope I'm safe somewhere in the future. I'm going to tell you, you can be saved right now. You can turn around right now. There's more left than lost. There's still more left than lost. I believe I can say that for every young person that's in this building right here. I believe I can say that for every one of you. I believe I can tell you with certainty there's more left in your life than what's lost. It don't matter what you've done. If you'll let Jesus have a look at the story.